Sports Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Right now, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, who will inevitably have a new look when the 2024 season gets rolling. But it's up to Dan Morgan, the new GM, who's got to do work in the meantime, Bone, putting this roster together. And I want to talk about Panthers free agents. Somebody texted in and said, the answer to your question, Bone, is Mike Evans. Mike Evans needs to be signed. Um Put a pin in that. Hold that thought. Because right now I want to talk about the Panthers free agents, not the external unrestricted free agents. So obviously the big ones are Burns and Luvu. There was that report the other day, Bone, from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that the Panthers are expected to do whatever they can to keep Frankie Luvu. Are you on board, Bone? Because I want to work our way down. I want to get down the list and kind of talk about what down-the-line free agents we keep. Or... Are you a Panther fan that wants to say bye to every one of these dang down-the-line free agents? Start with Burns and Luvu. Are you of the mind that I am of keeping both these gentlemen? Or are you tempted by like a tag-and-trade of Burns or something? I'm tempted to see what a tag-and-trade could bring back. If it's nothing that's um, substantial that you're you're liking, then no. So I think Luvu, to me, is a no-brainer. They're talking about dogs. They're talking about energy. There's no guy, Mac, that exemplifies that more for what you're looking for than how hard that guy plays. And I think it's going to be a, a decent contract. It's not going to be something that sets you back. I think Luvu, to me, is an absolute no-brainer based off the money and what that guy – I have no question that that guy belongs here. So Luvu, to me, is, is – I agree. I just think – like, what would you want for Brian Burns in a trade? Just a first-rounder? If you can get a first-rounder, would that be worth it? But, again, where would that first-rounder be, though? Can you get a high first rounder? I don't know if that's the case. I lean towards Burns just playing on the tag. Just tag him, man. Getting, Play hardball and tag getting, him. Getting both guys back. Matt, before we get into the, the numbers here, can you go over the cap situation real quick so we know like what we're dealing with Panthers here? Panthers are at like $31 million right yeah, now. That's important but, for this. But we went over last week ways to save a lot of money. Like Taylor Moten is at $29 million cap figure. That's getting restructured, right? A lot of restructuring. Mike Kay was hinting around in his article in The Observer about could they cut Taylor. With our offensive line, I'm sorry, Taylor Moten, I'm not saying he's elite, but you can count on him. You need Taylor Moten on this team, but you got to restructure. There's also guys you can cut, and apparently, according to J.J. Jansen, Shaq Thompson heard that segment and was uh, laughing at how many players we were trying to get rid of on this show. And that was and you, <laughs> and, uh, you apologized, so that was hurt, that Shaq was hurt. Matt, do you know that Track has a feature on the roster where you can restructure guys and also uh, cut guys and all this? They have a whole public. Oh, yeah, you can play around. You can play GM there, man. <laughs> and I want to tell you, I'm not only keeping Shaq Thompson on this team right now. I just gave Shaq Thompson a raise. You did. You gave him a Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm not that dumb. I believe you keep Brian Burns, even if it's just tag. I know what I'm uh, doing over here. And play hardball with him. Although the, the rub with the Brian Burns tag is it's going to cost $21 million against your cap. Whereas if you sign him to extension, you can get that cap number for this year way low. So that's that's the kind of rub there or whatever. But, like, yeah, Frankie Louvre is important, Bone. Brian Burns plays the most important position on defense in 2024. Like point blank period. But when like you're Frankie Luvu can play all the positions, but but Brian Burns plays the most important position on a team whose pass rush statistically was one of the worst in football last year. 
So, like, let Brian Burns go. What are you going to do then? YGM and Marquise Haynes? You're going to use that first-round pick on Burns? What are the chances a first-round pick turns out as good as Burns? I understand what you know you're what saying, mean? but also, Luvu has something that you can't really measure, and that's setting a culture for a new coaching staff. Not a new coaching Brian staff. Burns on a leader over there, too. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just talking about Luvu. Luvu's, Luvu's number and what he provides. I was talking about Luvu specifically of why that guy should be here. The birds is a different subject. I was just talking about Louvu. I'm not comparing one to the other. Louvu to me, though, what he provides, I'm not even thinking about letting him. Walk. I'm not thinking about letting either one go. Is my point. Okay, you well, know what I mean. Well, we're on the same I want page both there. those guys back. It's just the Burns, the whole thing that Brian Burns like. I know he didn't have his best year, and he didn't help matters by coming out bone after the season and saying, yeah, I was worried about getting hurt this year. I think that affected my play a little bit. Like, that did not help the cause at all. But for folks to act like he ain't important, he's got so much better in the run game in terms of tackles for loss, in terms of making plays in the backfield against the run, too. Like, I just, I just think there is total Burns disrespect in this town. That's all I'm saying. Frankie Louvu seems to be respected by everybody. And I'm just trying to make you respect both of these players. Derek Brown, we need to get an extension done for as well. I just like I the defense is the strength of the team. I don't want to let any of these strong guys go, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at. I understand there's an argument on the other side. If we keep all the defensive guys, how can we get help for Bryce? And, and that's why Dan Morgan is getting paid the big bucks, Boney. As far as other free agents go. Um, let me give you some of the some of these guys. You tell me if you're keeping any of these. I'll give you a list. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Gross Matos, and Haynes. Are you interested? Again, not breaking the bank, obviously, but are you interested in keeping any of those guys? Uh, not Chark. Not Chenault. Haynes, you keep waiting for something to happen, but either injuries. I would, if, of those guys there... I would put Gross Matos highest on my list. Now we're back on the I same page. I think he page, has though. the highest upside of those. Those receivers, uh, I can go out and find guys to do what Chark and Chenault did last year, which uh, let me check my notes here. Not a lot of anything. I like Haynes. Seems like a good dude, but I, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's got a he's seems like he's more situational base, and then definitely, he's and definitely. he's not in there for a lot of situations. He was in an injured year, not his fault. But of those guys there, Gross Matos is a guy I think. Okay, with the Vero, he's going to need some bodies there. Let's keep him and see what he can do. See, I'm thinking just like you on this one, Bone. I'm not going to get all agitated on this one. All right. You're not a guy that gets agitated. That's why I love it so much. <laughs> I, I agree on all of that. I thought you said it well about Haynes. Like, he's got speed to burn off that edge. But still light in the fanny, still situational. And it just feels like he's never completely put up the production that you were hoping with that speed and quickness. As far and as there's been opportunity there for yeah, him to take chance. it and – Gross Matos. Gross Matos had a good year. He did. And uh, uh -huh. he really fit into a scheme I didn't know if he'd fit into. Um, so I'd like to keep him. Again, team-friendly deal, but I'd like to keep him. All right, let's get to some other ones here. Right, let me give you another group. Jeremy Chin, C.J. Henderson, Troy Hill, and Grugier Hill. All right, so you said C.J. You said uh, Chin. Yeah. Henderson. We'll start with Chin. I... I Chin to me, Mac. I mean, I just at this point, there's been multiple coaching staffs, multiple D coordinators, and nobody can really figure out how to unlock Jeremy Chin. I don't. I like Chin. I love the draft choice. Chin seems like a good dude. Absolutely, a, a guy you want in your locker room. I just don't know usage wise. If they can't figure it out by now, what are they doing with Jeremy Chin? Are they all of a sudden going to figure something out in the offseason where they have the the right exact spot for him? Maybe it's a linebacker, but. 
I just don't know if we're ever going to tap the potential here. Maybe best for both parties if he goes somewhere else and someone else. He doesn't fit the scheme. He doesn't fit the scheme. Averro told you that. He barely played him this year relative to the past. And Chin said after the season, I, I need to be somewhere where I'm appreciated. That one is such a breakup. That, that, that is 100% breakup. The guy I like the most from that group is Troy Hill. I think Troy Hill had a pretty solid season, especially for what they paid him, you know, when they brought him in once the season got gone. Pretty cheap contract. I would let CJ bounce. I would consider cutting Dante to save $5.9 million. Sorry, Dante, you're a good baller uh, and a great dude. But I worry about the health of Dante Jackson and what you're really getting for your money. Plus, we need cap room. So I, the, Troy Hill is the most interesting one of that group to me. I Three. wouldn't mind him coming back at all. He's also got multiple stints now with Averro. He's done it in two spots, the Rams and here. So he's a guy that knows the system, and he feels like Averro gets the most out of him in his two stints. So, I, yeah, that's a that's a guy that you, you – CJ's got to go, right? CJ has to go. CJ's bags are packed. CJ and Chinbone uh, went and got, uh, you know, the movers. They went in on a deal for the movers together. But move two houses, you know, get half off or something. Because both those guys, it's inevitable, right? And by the way, could you imagine if they did bring Mike Evans in and he met CJ Henderson and CJ said, hey, man, nice to meet you, CJ Henderson. Hey, I'm Mike Evans. CJ says, hey, well, where you been playing lately? Uh, been down there in Tampa. You, uh... You covered me during the 2022 season. <laughs> and then uh, Mike Evans turns and walks away, and CJ says, oh, I see you're back. I recognize <laughs> you now. That's the view I'm used to having of you. Um, anyway, the CJ trade put that in Fitterer's failed deals, in on every failed deal. Put that one on the list. Also, full disclosure, I applauded the CJ Henderson trade when it was made, and I wanted the Panthers to draft CJ Henderson and not Derek Brown. That is on me. All right, I'm worse than Scotty uh, Fitterer. Um, I got, I got to own that. I got to own that. I'm Put checking, that on my list. I'm checking uh, notes here. <laughs> um, you did get agitated at the people that were not all in on CJ Henderson. Multiple, <laughs> no, multiple, multiple, never multiple, multiple, multiple times. I believe you got mad about that. Well, if I was mad about that, I was mad at the whole fan base because I got to be honest. I think I was the only person that won CJ Henderson. Like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember anybody else in Charlotte saying yeah. And it turns out. I should have listened to everybody else in Charlotte. I knew that there was trouble when that story came out of Jacksonville about Urban Meyer had to go to his house and try to get him to come to training camp practice. Seriously. Or someone got sent there, whatever it was. But that, that he was such a talented guy and still is a talent. But there's just something there missing when it comes to translating that to. He's not a football player. There can be an athlete that's not a football player. And that's what it appears he is, Boney. Um, all right. Restricted, by the way, one restricted free agent that ties in the, to letting Chenault go is uh, ISM. I would like to see ISM get tendered, ISM come back and try to work him in that Chenault role. I know he's not, he can't run through you like Chenault, but he started making some plays late in the season. Now here's the two big ones, Bone. Here are the two and big ones. Canales and Tampa had, a, I know that Evans and Godwin are the headliners, but if you watch them at the end of the year, they had Palmer. They had a lot of guys there with the tight ends. It wasn't just a couple of guys. They really spread that ball around down there. You know, but uh, I, I uh, pardon me for being skeptical about ball spreading here. Um, oh, that sounds weird. I mean, I'm talking about a football, y'all. Come on. Oh my. <laughs> Come on. Grow up out there, everybody. Everybody, this, you giggling out there? This segment is sponsored yeah. by. Help me out. I need something here. <laughs> um, but anyway, Frank Reich, that was his big thing coming in here. We're going to spread the ball around. Yeah. Not, not. All right, here's well, the two. They, well, they, 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 a lot of guys didn't make plays. Here's the, free, here's the free agents we end with. Will you keep them bone? Sam Franklin, special teams ace and safety. 
and J.J. Jansen, ladies and gentlemen. Are you keeping these boys? Well, one is an absolute no-brainer. The the glue to the entire unit. Really a guy that when you ask around is just um, revered by his teammates. So I am not getting rid of Sam Franklin. I think that guy, Mac, has way too much value to the team. Sam Franklin to me on that list right there is the no-doubt special teamer. <laughs> Who was the other guy in there? John Jacob Jingleheimer Jansen. No, no, no. But they needed to... Pull it out. Jansen, it. Jansen needs right. a five-year deal <laughs> so he can just leave us alone and not take our jobs. <laughs> JJ, no, I'm just oh, messing around. No, oh, both guys, I think both guys. There's no it. doubt. Dan Morgan, I, I'm the unofficial agent for J.J. Jansen. Dan, you might not be aware of this, but I'd like to talk with you. Also, you owe me some Panther shoes, too. But Dan Morgan, it better be a multi-year deal this year. Fitterer wouldn't do it, and look what happened to him. All right, I tried to get fitter to give JJ a multi-year deal. He wouldn't do it. Look where he is now. Give JJ a multi-year deal, Dan, Morgan. All right, I'm of, watching. Dan, think of radio time. Think of think of uh, training camp in Charlotte. Sam Franklin and JJ Jansen. That's like an hour of our interviews. <laughs> we can't lose that, man. We need that. Oh my goodness, uh, Mac and Bone with you, trying to figure out who do we keep from last year's team. Who do we say bye to? This texter says, Max says he will do anything to help Bryce Young, but he won't give up defensive players. It's like the Meatloaf song. I will do anything, anything for Bryce, but I won't Whoa. give up Burns and Louvu. Oh, we want your own way. Okay, I thought yeah. it was saying, yeah. It's like the Meatloaf song. I'll do anything for Bryce, but find a way. Because the defense helps a quarterback, too. Right? If a quarterback only has to score 20, 23 to win a game, that helps him too. Let's I was make a, it work with some caponomics, man. I, I was a diehard meatloaf fan as a kid. Had to, had you to, mean the food? No, no. This had the cassette tape in the car. There's oh, nobody was, that was a diehard meatloaf fan as a kid, is there? Loved it. <laughs> what the hell? This report meatloaf. is sponsored by apparently you meatloaf weren't. Meatloaf and Usher were Bones, two artists that we're, shaped We're talking like when I was like seven and got cassette tapes. <laughs> Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. The other thing real quickly before we get to some Super Bowl talk, I did want to ask this because Fiddy's been, I think it's okay to use this word. He's been enthralled with my beard that I'm growing. And I'll put quotations there. I didn't know you were doing that. Exactly. See, there's the quotations, right? Because you have to get a little close <laughs> to my face to see it. But I'm just shaving the neck. I'm not going Andrew Luckbeard style. Yeah. But I am trying. I was like, you know what? I'll try to keep this thing going. A little chin strap, maybe like a broader chin strap beard. And I'm trying this thing out. It reminded me of J.J. Watt's tweet over the weekend. You ever switch up your hair and wonder if anyone will notice? They notice. Oh, they definitely did for him. They did for him. Now, <laughs> mine is a much more subtle change, but this led me to a question for the text line, and then we can come back to it, maybe on the other side of the break or whatnot. But I did want to ask, has there ever been a style that you've tried, just a little switch up, that went horribly wrong? Has there ever been anything like that? This beard, I need to try to keep this thing going before I can make a real decision, but I don't think it's working out all that well. My brothers have bleached their hair before. Mm. Nope. Didn't work for them. Go like, ahead and put some color in like that. Like Eminem bleach. Eminem bleach. Yep. yep. You're damn right. Did not work for them. Go ahead and put some color back in that hair. They did that. They were back on track in life. Is there anything that you guys have tried 
that just didn't work. You tried it for a little bit and then you moved on because nobody gave you any compliments on it. Uh, 704-570-9610. Yeah, no. Nothing like that. Everything's worked for you. <laughs> not saying it like that. I've had fade, box. Well, it doesn't have to be hair. It could be anything. Oh, like, you, well, I mean, okay. I thought you were talking any... about hair or facial hair, stuff like that. When did you get the Kelsey, Wes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been wearing that since I was like two or three. Travis Kelsey made that famous, yeah, the right? Kelsey. That's what he yeah. would have you believe. Was there anything that you tried, Fiddy, that you were like, you know what? This just ain't really working for me. It can be a style. It can be anything in the world. It doesn't have to just be hair. I just want to know what kind of style you tried. Seventh grade, the group of friends that Flounder and I had, we all got into classic rock. And we discovered that classic rock musicians in the 70s and the 80s, they had long hair. So instead of doing something to my hair, I did nothing. And I just let it grow for like, I think it was like six months I went without a haircut. Okay. And like when I tell you when I got out of the shower, I looked like one of Coach K's kids. Like a, I looked like a wet rat. That's what I looked like because of how bad my hair, that's how long my hair was. Coming after Coach K's kids, calling them wet rats. We do not uh, on the Wesson Walker show no. subscribe to the values of one J.D. Marlowe. We don't We don't condone that. <laughs> yeah, if he wants to try out this new nickname, too. It's so random. It's so random. Um, the, yeah, I'm with you on that, though. I, my unemployed hairstyle was growing it out. Really? Mm, didn't work well. In a backwards hat, it looked okay. But I didn't train it to grow backwards as much, and so it was long and sleek. No, it was just – it looked like a rat's nest, to be honest with you. I, well, I got to ask, because even Shroppy made the comment on Friday that by Monday, whatever you had growing was going to be gone. I decided so what, to roll with it. Okay. It's and, and it's it, a strong feeling to shave it, and but look, I decided maybe, to roll with it. Maybe you don't want to talk about it. Did your girlfriend tell you that she liked it and no. hinted towards you not to let it go? No, that is not, she's not a fan, to be honest with you. But I'm like, look, Ooh. I got to try it and figure it out. Yeah, we got a real broken home right now. It's a real problem. <laughs> this this barely beard that I have, we're on the rocks, okay? We're trying to figure out how in the world we can try to figure this thing out while I can grow my beard and be myself and also live in that house. We'll figure out if I can still stay there. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers. But you can text us. We can read it at the end of the break or at the end of the segment. What was the style you tried? It did not work out for you. 704-570-9610. Wes, if we look at past Super Bowl winners and just even past Super Bowl participants, you can see Pat Mahomes, who is in the GOAT conversation. We're all having the convo. Can we compare him to Tom Brady right now? Do we need to wait until he wins three more, whatever? As far as what we've seen, a quarterback in their prime, if you just go on a year-by-year basis, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. So you go back to some of these other Super Bowl winners. Matthew Stafford has long been lauded for the crazy superhuman type of throws that he can make. Sidearm, throwing 65, 70 yards downfield, crazy physical attributes where he was healthy this year, and you got to see that again. Last year, he really wasn't. The Rams win a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford has those types of abilities. We can go to some other quarterbacks that have had superhuman abilities. I would say Jalen Hurts has a pretty strong arm and physically a very gifted runner, and that helps them win, right? Do you need to have something along those lines in order to win at the highest level consistently? Is that what history is telling us? Or can you watch a Brock Purdy? And we have Bryce Young here. Because Brock Purdy, as we talked about yesterday, Wes, Nothing I'm pointing to from Brock Purdy and saying he's the reason why they lost. Nothing at all. I thought he took what the defense gave him. I thought he made, yes, 
there were open throws that he made, but he also hit him in stride. Like, I'm not trying to steal credit away from Purdy, who I thought played well in that game. Mm-hmm. We have a really small quarterback here where his gift is not anything physical. Nothing. Nothing is great about his physicality. He can run a little bit, but he's not like these other scrambling or running QBs. Brock Purdy probably has been a better scrambler than Bryce Young. More room to work with because everybody else is worried about their weapons compared to Carolina. But Purdy has been able to use his legs quite a bit. How important is it to have some of those physical attributes from previous Super Bowl winners? Like, it it seems to be a little bit of a trend here. Uh, Well, the thing that I think is the most consistent with the winners, the guys that get the job done and the guys that get their teams there is accuracy and decision-making. I mean, you can have all the physical gifts that you want. I mean, who's more physically gifted than Josh Allen? But the thing that hurts him in the playoffs accuracy, decision-making. Uh, same thing with Lamar Jackson. What hurt him in the Kansas City game, decision-making. Uh, I think those are the two things that you have to have at the top of the list, and I think those are two of the traits that Bryce Young holds. And so I think that those are a couple of things that you got to look at and you say, all right, you know, we can win with that. We know that uh, his accuracy, especially when given the requisite time, uh, he can get the job done. And I think the decision-making aspect comes in, too. When you look at everything that happened around Bryce Young this year, uh, he only threw 10 interceptions. It could have been way worse. Yeah, he had some pick sixes. He had some very untimely interceptions. I mean, there's never really a good time to throw a pick uh, unless it's the end of the half and you're just throwing it up for the heck of it and you get an interception. But other than that, I I think the traits that you can look at any Super Bowl champion quarterback and see that they have, it's accuracy and decision-making. And I think that Bryce Young... Uh, holds both of those. I, I wondered the the physicality that or the physical attributes that some of these quarterbacks bring to the table. Those can't be learned, but the processing and the understanding of the game can. And when you see that marriage of Matthew Stafford having been in the league for quite some time and still having those types of attributes, once you get a head coach and once you get a good enough squad around you, you win. When you have Pat Mahomes. It's been amazing to watch him as a processor because we didn't really we saw the scrambling. Pat Mahomes as a scrambler is as effective as any QB in the league. He's not mm-hmm. the best rusher, right? Like Lamar, Josh Allen, a better rusher. But when it's scrambling, it's not a designed run. Pat Mahomes will take off on in man coverage and destroy you. And we've seen it time and time again. And so when we see the physical attributes married alongside processing. Once these guys start to figure it out, Pat Mahomes is a savant in the Super Bowl, where the best throw by far we saw was on the drive they didn't score a touchdown. The other scores they had, it was exactly what you were talking about, Wes. It was accuracy and decision making, but there's also that extra level they can get to when, okay, we need you to go out there and be Superman. Now, Brock Purdy wasn't, and they lost, but also it wasn't because of him. And I just wonder how we can make sense of it When you need a dude to go out there and be Superman, do you have it? And also, can you just win with the guy that isn't? I think you can. I think San Francisco can win with Brock Purdy. They almost did. So anybody hating on Brock like that or any quarterbacks like Brock, come on. They were very close to winning. It got to overtime, and it wasn't because of Brock that they lost, right? Like defensive decision-making, defensive lapses for San Francisco, you could easily blame it there. You could blame it on coaching decision-making, right? So with Bryce, if we're trying to bring this thing local and figure out how did the Carolina Panthers get there, Bryce needs help. Needs a lot of it, especially where we're starting now. Offensive line, interior protection, wide receivers, all that good stuff. Better play calling. We hope to see that with Dave Canales and Brad Idzik as the offensive coordinator. You checked off some of those boxes, but you still have a long way to go. Free agency, draft, and just good old-fashioned seasoning. 
I don't expect them to compete next year. What about second and third, right? How much help does a guy like Bryce need compared to some of these other QBs that, whoo, buddy, if they just want to turn it on and, and go into bleep it mode, like we can see those guys do it more so than some of the other quarterbacks that don't have those same kind of physical skill sets. Yeah, I mean, you got to get them the things that's going to help those things shine through. What is going to help Bryce's uh, accuracy and decision decision making? Well, it's going to be wide receivers. They can win their matchups in the requisite time and that two and a half to three seconds that you have to get the football off. Does he have guys where Bryce can, you know, pinpoint or automatically know pre-snap, okay, this is covered this. I know that, let's just say they get T. Higgins. I know T. is going to beat this guy doing this, so I'm going to go with him to the football. Or I know that they're going to do this coverage. So I know that I got uh, Adam in the slot. If they take away this guy and this guy, I know I can hit him on a check down. It's those type of things. Giving him the offensive line is going to allow him the time to be able to let that processing go through its natural course. Those are the things that you need. It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest name of guys. You look at Kansas City's receiving core outside of Travis Kelsey, there aren't any household names in that group yet. Rasheed Rice is still on the come up. But what he did have was guys that could get open, guys that as the season went on, as the playoffs went along, they knew the scheme. They led the league in drops. And they had a guy like Kadir Tony who was having missed assignments and blowing assignments. But as far as what the Chiefs were doing, they were doing what they needed to do. They just weren't catching the ball when Patrick Mahomes was putting it there. Right. But once they started to do that, then you see Mahomes just needs guys that can get open, that can find that he can find with the football and get it to him because that's one guy, he's not going to make bad decisions. You see, you know, people talk to game manager, game changer. You saw how Pat Mahomes managed that last drive. He managed it to AT. He did everything he needed to do to manipulate that football game. He didn't put the ball in harm's way like that as far as throwing any risky types of passes. He knew exactly what he was doing to manipulate that 49ers defense, how he wanted to go, and it resulted in that last touchdown. So I think for Bryce, you just got to be able to find him good enough talent Talent, and it doesn't have to be top shelf talent, but good enough talent to allow him to get back there and have, you know, not necessarily a clear pocket, but just for that processing to be able to work at its best and for that accuracy to be able to work at its best. Do you feel like there are a lot of similarities between Brock Purdy and Bryce Young? Um, I think that. The two things that we've been talking about this whole conversation, I think they have that in common. And I think that's the thing yeah. about Brock Purdy. It's like, no, you know, when he does run, yeah, he can get out of there and do what he needs to do. That was no, his best play of the yeah, Super Bowl. He's not going to he's not gonna blow you away with his arm. He's not going to blow you away with his physical stature. It's the fact that he makes the correct decisions pretty much. I think his uh, completion percentage was high 60s or whatever the case may be. But he makes really good decisions all the time, and he gets the football, as you pointed out in the Super Bowl, with accuracy. And sometimes people don't understand what that is. They think accuracy, as long as the guy catches it, that it's an accurate ball. But it's like you said, Walker, hitting a Debo Samuel or an Ayuk in stride so that they can continue to make plays or doing like a Tom Brady, keeping your guy out of uh, harm's way and throwing the ball behind him because you know he's going to get drilled. Those are the things uh, that I think that they share in common with each other. And I think that once Bryce gets the requisite guys around him, you'll start to see that shine through. All right. I wanted to read some of these texts because we got a lot of good ones. What is a style, a hairstyle, or just anything that you've tried before that did not work out well? Herman Photography writes back in, yes, exclamation point. My barber went on vacation, so I used the chair next to his. My hairline died that day. Yeah, that's mm. tough. <laughs> a trophy husband says, I had a girlfriend that wanted to dye my hair Hot Rod Red, way back in high school. 
it came out Pepto-Bismol pink, and I got sent home from work. I was a waiter at Outback at the time. That's a good one. Mm, that was that, that Hot Rod Red. But my question is, did you think it was a good idea at first, or did you just do it because your girlfriend wanted to? Probably, Probably because your girlfriend. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the bad decisions that we're going to see that these guys <laughs> make is going to come Probably. Uh, at the behest of their woman. The salesman wrote, uh, wrote in, I tried a rat tail back in like 87. And I was chunky with glasses and braces. Total nerd trying to figure life out. That thing was a bigger bust than Jimmy Clausen. Mm. Jimmy Clausen hairdo with the rat tail back in 87. I would love to see a picture, though. If you have one, salesman, please send it in. Alex in Fayetteville said, I tried to go my hair, grow to my hair into locks after I left the army. My head is just not made for it. Yeah, I apologize for that. <laughs> Panther Bo said, I have a bucket hat I love to wear, but my girl hates it. Says I look like a fat comedian. Now, go ahead and grab the mic, Fitty. Oh, man. Because I love bucket hats. I think they're awesome. Wes looks great in a bucket hat. He does. Thank you. You look great in a bucket hat. Yeah, bucket hat Fitty was a vibe. You was remember vibe. that in the summer? Was a vibe. Yeah. Is I it because it. I'm short and rather round and I'm bald and like it just looks like a... Like I just, I just have the 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 mold, I guess, of a guy that wears a bucket hat. At that the might beach. be true. That might be true. But you know what? You pull it off well. Thank you. Well, LL Cool J wore bucket hats, and he was as fit as anybody. Really? That's I've never seen signature. LL Cool J in a in a bucket. Yeah, hat. that was one of his signature looks That's when he thing. first came out. He wore buckets all the time. That's you definitely get buckets. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. It depends on how you define buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Basketball is what I would go with. I think I think like normal, but I don't know. I'm not going to explore that any further. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Uh, a man who I never fail to see at any relevant press conference here in the Charlotte region, Eric Spanberg, back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I, I thought I just heard someone reference uh, Tallahassee v. Charlotte, but I'm not sure. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, you got any thought? Well, you're an LSU guy. You don't care. But you know what? Why, do, why does the SEC hey, we're all get women's the... basketball. We're all women's basketball. Still done. Until Don Staley comes to town. Anyway, go ahead. No, I'm a, hey, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. We also have shifted to women's basketball. That's what, yes. we, that's what we care about now, too. So, But no, in all seriousness, the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to being a meat grinder and beating up on each other. But all of a sudden, you know, the ACC doesn't get that benefit of the doubt anymore. Why is that? That's true. That 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 is a very fair point because uh, as someone who drinks SEC Kool-Aid year-round, I can tell you that any time, uh, my fair institution loses a conference game. I immediately default to, well, you know, they were taking on the greatest team since the 85 Bears or fill in the blank. So, yeah, uh, I don't. And I, I am mystified because the ACC has been such a national darling in basketball for years and years. I don't know what has flipped that switch. Oh, it's, really almost, it's almost like there's an agenda at play that, you know, the, the SEC yeah. is ESPN's priority. And it, don't take me down this rabbit hole, Eric. We'll spend the entire segment. Oh, I, I would never do that. And by the way, I, I know it didn't irritate anyone up there that um, 
Kansas lost by a mere 29 last night. So, you know, they are going through a meat grinder. Oh, it's just it's a blip in the radar. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, they'll be fine. They'll bounce back. It's the Big Ten. You know, it's a meat grinder yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> it, it's good to have you back, man. There's a whole lot. What do you think of what's going on with the Hornets right now? And I know that you and I typically talk about sports and the, the intersection of sports and business. And I think this still obviously applies, but there's a whole oh, yeah. there's a whole lot of change going on over there right now. And in the immediate the immediacy of it is pretty positive. Yeah, I think so. And you're right. I mean, this is the ultimate intersection of sports and business because, as you and I have discussed so many times, this team has been absolutely dreadful, horrible, dumpster fire, whatever you want to say, on the court for so long. To have some new owners in here who seem to be focused on figuring out a way to make this team competitive, uh, who doesn't want that? Uh, I did not expect that flurry of activity. So, with what, three weeks we've had Hayward, Rozier, Washington, all gone for draft picks and interesting players. Uh, yeah, it, it's certainly promising, if nothing else. You know, it, hey, look, Kyle, you do the same thing I do, right? We're, we're telling stories and talking about what's going on. Telling the same story about how horrible this team is just gets old and deflating. So at least we have a little bit of a shift. No, you're right, because at times I, feel, I felt bad about it. I really did. I felt bad about it. Like, yeah. you know, we're their partner. I host a pregame show. I'm not afraid to say what I think, but, you know, I, I felt bad because all we say are negative things. And I don't want to only say negative things, but thankfully, you know, they've given us some reason to say positive things here as of late. And I'll, I'll take that opportunity. Now, also, though, Kyle, uh, let's be pragmatic about this. They've got to go make the right hire with general manager. Uh, they've got to right. make a decision on Steve Clifford. And we've had moments where there seemed to be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and nothing's happened. So they have to deliver. Now, we're all realistic, right? Nobody's expecting next season they're going to win 50 games. But within a couple of years, they need to be getting in the playoffs and they need to be consistently reaching the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I'd agree with that. I also wonder... Look, I, I saw the profit margin that MJ made when he sold this basketball team based on what he <laughs> bought it for. Uh, you know, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, they're in. They're all in to the tune of three yeah. to three billion dollars. Like they got to get this right, or they're going to lose money right. on this. That, that, that's right. Uh, you know, they're a little bit protected as as all owners are because the leagues are so healthy themselves, and you have so many young professionals here that you still get a pretty good crowd. But if you want to make the money, the big money you got to win. I mean, it, it, this is not complicated. We all talk about this in myriad ways, but it's not that complicated. you got to go out and spend some money, and you got to have a little luck. But the first part is really important. you got to spend some money and invest in your product. Yeah, I, I agree. Eric Spanberg, Charlotte Business Journal, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, the ACC, let's go there for a second. So you, you were covering the press conferences last week. We got the news that there will be five straight ACC men's basketball tournaments, among other championship events, but five straight ACC men's basketball tournaments in the state of North Carolina from 2025 to 2029, three in Charlotte, two in Greensboro. Uh, I got to be honest, this is a departure, A, from the um, you know the East Coast domination that they'd been seeking, it seemed, for years prior. Well, let's, let's go to D.C. Let's take it to Brooklyn. Let's, let's give it a shot in Atlanta again. Uh, they're keeping this thing now in North Carolina. Why do you think they've suddenly done that, and is this the best thing that Jim Phillips has done as ACC commissioner? Well, I think there are a couple things at play here. The first is, remember, they had a $15 million incentives package from the state of North Carolina for staying within these borders for the headquarters, so they had to bring... Uh, X number of championships. I think it was four women's and four men's in the next 10 years, something like that. So that was part of the motivation. But I think you're also getting toward the other part, which is, look, they've tried to go into all these other places 
and it's worked okay, but not great. It's not the dominant storyline that it is when it's in Greensboro or Charlotte. And I think they recognize that. They're never going to say that. And Commissioner Phillips is going to continue to say that they will maintain some geographic diversity. And I'm sure they will go, for example, they're in Washington this year. But I think they have come to recognize that this event still feels special when it's in North Carolina. And it feels different when it's here compared to anywhere else. And I know people are going to say, well, yeah, but it used to be they rolled in the TV when you're like, I get it. You know, times have changed, but it is still an event in, in North Carolina, unlike the way it is viewed anywhere else. I, yes, accurate. And I completely understand what you're saying there. Now, I mean, there's so many attempts at like sports imperialism right now right and again that's what i referenced a minute ago they're kind of rolling it backwards they're going to stay home for a while and i like that very much the nfl though on the other side of things they're playing a game in madrid they're playing a game in brazil next year in sao paulo they're going to germany next year i mean this is a this truly is an effort at global sports domination and imperialism do you think this works in all your years on planet earth watching professional sports (laughs) I, i long have believed that the NFL and professional American football was going to have a very difficult time truly exporting their product to the rest of the world beyond just simple consumption. What what do you think of what they're doing here, and will it, quote-unquote, work? Well, I think the first thing is, and, I, and I'm not trying to be evasive here, but the first thing is, like, define what it means to work. You know, can they fill the stadium? Can they get the curiosity factor? Can they hold clinics overseas in various cities? Yeah, I think they can do all that. Can they sell a few hats? And Yes. Uh, do I think that the NFL will ever be dominant the way it is here, anywhere else? I do not. But, look, they just had a Super Bowl with 120 million people watching it, second only to the moon landing. So they can really do whatever the hell they want. It just doesn't matter. I mean, they have CTE. They have sexual harassment scandals. They have everything. And It just doesn't matter. People worship at the altar of the NFL and the United States to the point that right now, anyway, they can do whatever they want. And the one thing that I've been watching for the past, say, 10 years is, would it ever be too much? But it just doesn't feel like it is. I mean, what do we have left, like Wednesday and Tuesday, maybe? (laughs) And how long before those are gone? And people just seem to keep watching. Uh, They do. Uh, And and I'm glad you said what you said. 123.7 million people watch the Super Bowl. Um, singular biggest event in American television history, I guess, is the way it's being framed. But uh, either way, there's nothing else that compares to it. It was a 7% jump, by the way, from last year to this year. Are you one of those attributing that to the Swift effect? <laughs> How about I give Taylor 3.5% of the 7%? Is that, does, uh, does, does Usher get the rest? or Does Usher get the – does Post Malone get a yeah. few points here? What's yeah. going on? Yeah, I'm going to divide it among all the musicians that have helped out. All right. All right, fair <laughs> but, enough. But, but 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 to your point, I mean, so look at an NBA Finals or World Series game, that's $12 million. Even the college football playoff, $28 million. I mean, it is just staggering what those numbers are. I think, Kyle, the interesting question with where we started on playing games in Madrid and uh, Brazil and everywhere else is, like, is there any kind of blowback or resentment among fans of those teams who would rather have another home game? 
That I think is a great question. I, I was listening to some t- some fan bases and podcasts debate that, and you know what? I'll actually throw that to my audience too for future purposes. To, you know, in the show yeah. here the next ninety minutes. But it's a great question because yeah, you get the game in Germany, right? That's a great thing. I went to the London game against the Bucks back in two thousand nineteen. It's a great experience, but most people won't go, and it does rob you of an actual home game. So there is a, there's a, there is a conversation to be had there. Yeah, I think so. And the other thing, uh, you know, when you, when you do find someone that will criticize the NFL, it is that they, they're so dominant and they're so big that most times they really just do whatever the hell they want to do. And, of course, uh, people can get unhappy about that. So, you know, that's the one potential Achilles heel for them. But as I say, I have seen nothing from franchise values to television consumption to attendance to anything that tells me they're anywhere near a drop-off. In fact, it's going the opposite way at a time when nobody watches TV for anything. Yep, no, I'm with you. Two quick things, Eric, I'll let you go. Uh, my guy, Salesman, says, can you please ask Eric if he's heard anything about future plans for a new Panthers headquarter west of the railroad tracks near Bank of America and the practice fields? Uh, we, we know they're trying to hold, they're going to hold training camp up there. We were also told, hey, we'll figure out the logistics along the way and let you know what's going on. Um, a- a- anything that you've heard on that front? Because that has to be a, a frenzied process to get that ready before training camp in August. Yeah, we're we're all speculating. I'm I'm in that, but I have not heard anything definitive. Look, they're going to do something. They have to do something. But the question is, how extensive will it be? And I go back to this, Kyle. July 2018, David Tepper, first press conference at the stadium. One of the first things he says is, we are so far behind when it comes to facilities and training and nutrition. Well, what's going on with that? Mm. It's a great question. All right, last thing. This is for my business travelers out there. All right. Uh, I saw you update this story the other day. So, I mean, and, and I say this to somebody who used to live right down the, the road. Like, I, I'd take Wilkinson into the, the airport. Um, and so, I've seen that airport. We've all seen that airport grow leaps and bounds over the years. I mean, they, they built another airport next to the old airport, basically. But there's more expansion. <laughs> like, what, what's going on with the latest Charlotte Douglas expansion? So, the best news I can give our business travelers is that by the end of next year, the terminal, main terminal lobby, that's all going to be done. So you'll be able to walk in there without a hammer or a saw falling on your head. You'll be able to know where you're going, and it'll be much more pleasant because it'll be 2025 uh, furniture and floors and all that stuff rather than 1982. The bad news, Kyle, this will not surprise you at all. They got another batch of projects that they're going to unveil in the next year or two, yeah. and so it never ends. All right. Well, if they put a Chipotle in there, I'll be happy. That's all I need. <laughs> there you go. That's all. I mean, seriously, just, I mean, give me a Chipotle with regular menu prices. I mean, there might be one already, but that's all I need in an airport. Well, I think, you know, you've said it. It's going to manifest itself. You're a man with that kind of integrity well, and influence. I think it's going to happen. Well, I'm blushing. You flattered me successfully. Thank you, my friend. It's always <laughs> a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. See ya. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good. It has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.